When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, Wait a minute. one. <laughs> he actually waited until one. Everybody, you gonna shut up now? He does it on purpose. No, tell them how. Oh. Oh. Come on, get help me, please. So good, you. Just please, thirty seconds. I'm making loyalty shut up. Sit right next to him. Guys, you're not allowed to talk. I quit. That's in charge. I quit. I'm done. We'll never get out of here. Now they both quit. Shut up. Oh, whoops. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. We are. You guys kill me. Hey, Jingity Jing. It's Dominic. The donkey, jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 Beep out my F word and just keep this as the introduction. Can I do that? Well, I'm gonna because I'm not doing this for the 75th time. We're all drunk, or as they would say, Tumbriagada in my family, everybody's had Tito's bottles filled with homemade wine or Pellegrino bottles. And we're, we're not here. drunk, we're happy. We're I'm happy. not drunk, I'm no one's drunk. Yeah, Patsy we're and Gastagna. Pat, we're eating the food, yes. we're, we're comfy, we're, we're all good. When we, we left you, when we last left you, uh, in part one of our Christmas Eve special here at the Power Hour, we were about to eat a beautiful pre-Christmas Eve meal at Dolores and Drew's place, provided by Dolores' mom. True, and, not to take credit for it. Uh, Unbelievable meal here. All right, Dolores, go through what we have at the table real quick. Okay, we have uh, Nikki brought from his La Bella Marketplace a delicious, the seafood salad we were talking about in part one, which sells out by the ton. Yeah, probably. Yeah, delicious. Really delicious. Yeah, and then uh, Pat... So more of the escarole pie. Me and my mother actually should say together yesterday made escarole pie, which is a traditional pie that my nona Anna, my father's mother, used to make that my father loved. So we like to make that every year, and I feel like every year she teaches me something more of how to do it, so I know the the recipe. And I must have said about thirty times in our power hour group chat text that I was going to make this, and and Pat uh, is. Very allergic to pignoli nuts, so pignoli nuts is a part of the recipe. So I even left out the pignoli nuts so that Pat could eat it tonight. And then today, in our group text, I learned that Pat also made a escarole pie without pignoli nuts so that he could eat it because I don't think Pat listens to me. So we have two. We have two. 
They both substituted walnuts. And they yes. both substituted walnuts so that Pat could eat it. So, uh, I'm sorry. From an outside looking in, the group text went like this. No, I can't get there early. I'm, my mother's making a, a, an escarole pie. I'm making an escarole pie, Dolores says. But mine has no pinoli nuts, Pat thunders. Mine has no pinoli nuts for you. Because pinoli nuts will kill our dear Patrick. And we don't want him to die. Because we love him so much. By the way, the Italian American Power Hour is sponsored by Americans for a Pinoli Free Nation. Uh, it's a new group. The honorary chairman, Patrick O'Boyle, Esquire. We are we are doing all we can to replace pinoli nuts with walnuts, walnuts in every recipe across these great United States. So that's so. the same. Pinoli nuts kill there's, our dear friend. There's two escarole pies on the table. Also, we have one has figs. Right. Yes, that's, that's true. Yours is fake. You, yep. you have a fig scroll. And it's delightful. It's very good. Very good. Yeah, we have uh, some rigatoni with, with just red sauce. And then uh, spaghetti, which is some of our favorite here in this house. Spaghetti with walnuts and anchovies. Oh, Incredible. And then bacala. Mm. And then broccoli rabe. And now the chestnuts that uh, Pat is really, really into. The Boy, proverbial chestnuts. You're you drinking... bacala in at the end. You know, you have a lot of You've got Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, and the broccoli rabe. Did we say broccoli rabe? And the broccoli rabe. We said broccoli rabe. We, we have a feast. I will... Pat, I broke it off for you, Rosella. I will confess. When you get married, you need to have a Bukharab station. I do. Because no, when they flower, they turn yellow. Patrick, the bouquet that I toss, I promise you, <laughs> I promise you, we'll have, we'll have a, uh, a uh, florette, at least one florette of broccoli yeah, Just throw it at Pat when you're done. Just, yeah. just turn around and... <laughs> and, it, and you'll be next, and I will find you a nice lady at my at my uh, at my wedding preferably somebody from Puglia who appreciates a good broccoli rob and that be... reads and that reads a lot and appreciates oily fish <laughs> that's the advertisement alright so part two of this episode is going to be um, a little bit of a question and answer session for me as the ultimately frustrated moderator with this amazing <laughs> panel that means John is going to questions and we are going to answer when he asks us yes. and no other time. We're going to try. I'm the only one who listens to you. That's, that's probably true. That is. When the store is back, we're going to have a t-shirt that says, uh, ultimately, what is it? What ultimately frustrated Ultimate, Ultimately frustrated monitor. Absolutely. The picture of you. Moderator. Put your handsome face on Yeah, you. I'm a little bit bigger than myself right now. Um, Alright, so we talked a lot last episode about where these traditions come from, whether or not they're uh, necessarily hard-pressed to stay with the numbers. We talked about what we make. We talked a little bit about some of our favorite traditions. I want to talk a little bit less about food, and I'm going to go back to food at the end, but a little bit more about some of the stuff that goes around these holidays outside the kitchen. Music, the mass, the decorations, Santa Claus, La Befana, the things that we do, what we keep, what we don't keep. Uh, I want to start because, Pat, you're an expert in this, and I think it's an important part. I think all of us, I would imagine, still keep a presepio in the house. Does everybody here still put up a presepio or a, a nativity scene? Oh, yeah. Well, the presepe is a huge part of Italian-American culture, I think, and especially Neapolitan Italian-American culture. The, the presepe of Napoli are famous throughout the entire world. And um, 
those of us who are from Neapolitan descent, I am not, but I, I was raised in an enclave with so many people from, from Napoli. Um, and even all Campania, all Campania, all Campania. But even I, I know no, a man that yeah. is so dedicated to his presepe, he starts putting it up in October. Oh yeah, even employee in Lecce, they yes. make beautiful figures from paper. In Campania, they're mostly terracotta. In other parts, they're wood. I mean, <clears throat> and we have Pat here. I know he's, he's working through a castagna right now, but but the presepe get- is an impo- a very important part of Italian American Christmas Eve. Yeah, because usually the presepe is out. You know, the baby Jesus is not there, and yes. I know that at our house, at in our home, in in Nikki <clears throat> and my home, you know, on our shared Christmas Eve. His mother's greatest tradition, you know, it could be anybody could be there and whatever could have happened, but at midnight, yep. that woman picks up that baby Jesus doll yep. and hands it to the youngest person yep. in the family. And uh, we go around the house singing to Shandy Dalestella and we all have to kiss the baby Jesus. Well, that's cute. At midnight. In my family, my grandmother waited till midnight and the youngest person there always got to put the baby Jesus yes. in the crash. And it was like a huge deal for us. It is a huge deal. Yeah. It's I, the biggest deal. It's the birth of baby Jesus. Yeah. I love that. That was like, I waited for that. And I, I I think, I'm assuming most people out there, if you don't have a nativity scene, I want to point out. Sorry, we don't have one yet. We have the expert of experts. I just want to say, for those that don't know, Professor Patrick O'Boyle, we suspect, this is unproven. If you can refute this, please feel free to send us photo proof. We believe with some confidence he may have the largest collection by piece, by number, of Neapolitan presepio figures in the United States right at the moment. Pat, how many wow. figures are in the collection I right now? Count. Wow. Not all. A couple hundred. A couple hundred. I mean, I've seen them. It, it's substantial. You've been there with me. Yes. When and you woke up and now said, go to Armeno and they, there's nothing left to buy, you know you've yeah. got something. Let me, let me point out for the listeners who have not <laughs> been able to <laughs> visit Naples. One of the oldest streets in Naples, San Gregorio Armeno, and the historic center is the epicenter of the presepio makers in the city of Naples, where it, where it is the, the most sort of concentrated uh, following of this tradition. And all year, let alone at the holiday season, these vendors are outside their stores selling thousands of different pieces, uh, the bacala seller, the iritsa seller. All, I mean, it, it puts, it puts I, I the would, nativity wish. in Naples. The scenes are set in Naples, and it's all Neapolitan stuff. I've walked up and down that street on probably a dozen trips with Pat, and I think at this point, it's the last three or four times we've had business in Naples. We've visited the street, and there has not been a new piece that he can buy that's not a duplicate. I mean, he's got probably everything they've ever made. I got. We got you a duplicate? Yeah, no, that was fun. But that's that a different thing, thing, though. Oh. That was a closeout. That was at the one of the last spots left on the... That was the last <laughs> light put on the tight got lucky. Pat, what's your favorite piece? Wow. I have a goat maker. He's special. In the Presepio of Rigolta Maker. Yeah. The man who makes Rigolta. Because Jesus and Mary needed Rigolta. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, how do you beat that? They were they were a happy, holy family. And how do you be a happy, holy family mm-hmm. if you don't have access to good quality? So what, what tops the Rigolta Maker? I have a, a calzone fryer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes. you did um, it. You just did it. And I asked... A bacala seller. Asking he shall receive a bacala is my favorite, my personal. I have a gabidon seller. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. I have sure. a guy picking lemons off a tree. I can't. 
it's amazing that these scenes are yeah, set in yeah, Naples, and, and sometimes, like, I mean, some people put Puccinella in the scene, right? I mean, they, they get I'm a little... I'm a purist. I don't put Puccinella in. <laughs> no, that would be, you know, inappropriate. Yeah. But I got everybody else. Why is it inappropriate? You know, I mean, it's yeah, just... It's a little just, pagan. Yeah, he's a performer. But it takes Santa Claus to in front of the crib. You know, that's true, yeah. That's true. Card. It's a stretch. It's, it's, it's Christianizing Puccinella. That's true. I have people gambling and playing cards. Yeah. And that's appropriate. Um, you got the band. Yeah, you could, you got the whole band I, last I, time. I call it, I call it the uh, Bethlehem Junior High Band. <laughs> and they go in front of the Three Kings. I have Three Kings on horseback. <laughs> and I have another set of Three Kings off of horseback when they get to January 6th. The alternative Three Kings. I have the alternative Three Kings, absolutely. I have an egg seller. I have a knife sharpener. I have a shoemaker. I have a chestnut seller, a chestnut roaster, a wine presser. Um, yeah. I got them all. Well, in my house, and I've been waiting to ask you this. I've never asked you this until I asked you here on the air. We had a really weird uh, presepio that I remember as a kid that my grandmother had. And, I, and I, I guess somewhere between when I left the house and when my grandmother passed, it disappeared. I never found it again. But it was like a wooden triangle with three shelves. And the top shelf had the nativity scene, just the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, and the baby Jesus. And then the bottom shelf had like other stuff on it, like other Christmas stuff. It was like three or four weird scenes. Have you ever heard about this? Is that the German ones? Maybe. Maybe yeah, it was a German thing. Germans I, I, have like a um, spinning nativity tradition. It's kind of like a candelabra. Yeah, but it wasn't one of those. I've seen those. I don't know. I've seen it. It was definitely Italian make, but I don't know. If anybody out there knows what I'm talking about, it's a triangle of shells. Maybe it's a tradition that I don't, uh, that's out there from a part of Italy that I don't know about. But anyway, the Presepio obviously is a big deal in, I think, the Italian-American, certainly the Italian Christmas season, and a tradition worth keeping. And I I hope we can share on the website some photos of your uh, Presepio, because it's really impressive. I need a a Presepio showroom. You do need it. You need a museum. No, but I'll tell you why. What happens is they're so delicate. I mean, I don't know how people pack them away. I've tried packing. I have someone who fixed some pieces of mine that broke, and she said, you just can't pack these. Because they're a very delicate... Uh, what are they made of? Terracotta. If you're out there, and you're a Presepio aficionado like Pat is, we're going to play a little game called Stump the Professor. <laughs> send us a picture of what you think is your most unique piece, and we'll see if Pat has it. We'll send you back a picture of I his. love it because I think it's so Neapolitan. Oh, it's super Neapolitan. It's, it's like every, it's like a, a, a road trip into the Neapolitan mind. Because it, it in one way, in an attempt to, um, I don't know what I like, an attempt to bring Jesus to Naples. Naples comes to Jesus. Oh, I like that. That's you know, nice. And, and it's um, and the, the idea behind it is that a person in the 19th century, the 18th century, the 17th century, wouldn't have known that there wouldn't have been a brazut seller in the, in the streets of uh, Bethlehem. That's true. But the concept is, and all the Neapolitan figures are 99 percent are about food because that's where the <laughs> Neapolitan brain rests. But I think um, it also shows that Jesus becomes where is Waldo. Yeah, that's true. And the reason before that is, is that Christ's birth came completely. The whole world was moving on, and no one was paying it. I mean, with the exception of of, of uh, Herod and three kings, nobody was really paying attention to what was going on. Huh, so, I never so it shows that the the sprinkling of the divine within that that exists in the everyday mundane. The Presepio is is obviously one of the few unadulterated religious 
accoutrements of the holiday, right? Every Santa Claus is secular at this point, even though he starts as a saint. The Christmas tree is secular. What about midnight mass? How many of us here still do midnight mass on Christmas Eve? Mezzamez. Okay. Sometimes? But that wasn't always... But growing up, we always did. But you didn't grow up. We used to always go to midnight mass. You used to stay up and you used to go. It was a beautiful mass. Now... The church is extremely crowded. There's nowhere to sit. Really? At midnight? There, yeah, there's wow. overflow into, like, the gym. Ugh. Nobody wants to go to midnight mass to be in the gym. I'm sorry. Nobody wants you the will... gym overflow. Right, exactly. <laughs> you want to be in I the chapel with the, gym with the lights and the flowers and the stained glass windows. That's number one. Number two is, like, you know, you get older and, like, you're cleaning <laughs> up and you're helping clean up and you're tired. I think Midnight Mass, I think there's something really beautiful about it, that you finish the night that way, and I always wish that we could sort of make the effort to do it, but I think that's sort of one of the casualties of time, and and also yeah. like not living down the block from the church, and right. not walking with everybody, not having 90 aunts in the same house who were going to you know help each other, it's just right. a different yeah. responsibility set, but... For us, it's something that we've kind of changed. And we talk a lot, and we talked off mic, um, Dolores in particular, about this idea of these holidays evolving. And I think that that's an important part of this idea of Italian-American Christmas. We're talking about all these traditions that mean a great deal to us. And we kind of have to acknowledge that over time, these things have really changed. And I think we romanticize a sort of set and standard of holiday traditions that don't necessarily exist across the board you're laughing at me. Why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing. That's a knowing smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I'm realizing, especially as I get older, that I'm like a, uh, I'm a very sentimental person. I'm a very traditional person. And I do, I do think that Christmas especially, like we don't really have this association with Easter, but Christmas especially is that we all have in our minds an ideal, right, from our childhood that may or may not have actually happened. Yeah. But it's an ideal. And I think it may have happened, but you were a child and you you were not an adult. And so that's why it happened, right? So like if you so when I think about like my nieces and nephews, for instance, being little kids, their Christmas felt that way. Yeah. Because the adults took care of everything else yeah. and they were they didn't know the adult things that were happening and also they weren't grown enough yet to see how life changes. Yeah. So Right? Like, it it did happen once for you that right. way, but that way was that time, and now it's done. Okay. I don't know. I and you're stuck with that, like, you're stuck with that vision. So what I'll say, I think most importantly, is that what I think I've realized uh, through actual, like, <laughs> arguments uh, with siblings, etc., on holidays that not only gone so smoothly, is... I had one Christmas where this kind of happened. It was like a rough Christmas. And we used to always have a tradition where we waited until after midnight to open the presents. It was a big thing because it was kind of the same idea of like midnight mass. And not eating meat. Exactly. That was like. Well, they say that the real Italian American Christmas Eve is. Christmas is Christmas, Christmas Day Eve. is Christmas yeah. Eve. That's true. Yeah. Right. At least so my family would, that was true. So we would wait and it would be like one in the morning, two in the morning. We were opening gifts. And, you know, then my siblings married, and they didn't necessarily marry Italians. So, like, that, as many of our listeners know, it does. It changes things. And 
if you're me who was single for like and not married without my own family for all of that time, you're just a, a victim of that change. Like you don't have any say. You're a passenger. Now, you're yeah. I'm the youngest of four by many years, so like I don't get to make any decisions. It's like it's like they make the decisions. <laughs> traditions changing. Things are changing. Now, not as much because I'm older and married, but, like, you just have to kind of suck it up. And so, anyway, there was one Christmas where it was kind of all hit, like, a peak. And I happened to realize, like, these memories that I have, right, of all, like, my aunts and uncles and stuff and all of us here at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and, like, my aunts and uncles and parents, like, drinking and eating, like, all hours of the night. I realized, you know... They all lived like five minutes away. Yeah, that's geography. Yeah. They literally it. lived. Yeah, like my yeah. uncle could that's, stay that's here. That's a big change. That's a big huge. That's what changed our whole culture. It's every, but that was it's everything. Exactly. It's I everything. know exactly what that means. It, yeah. They could stay here till two in the morning because they knew and drink. Even you know, not get like sloppy drunk, but you because can have their your commute wine. was ten minutes home. Yeah, not even like my uncle yeah. lived literally across the train tracks. You get in the car, you drive, and like, and then like the next door, like uh, your brothers, uh, Anthony, your brothers, in laws who live next door, my cousins, right. um, on on like their grandmother used to come over, and everybody would just be here because they all lived so close. It was like. Everybody was with their families, and everybody's families were close. It's funny you say that because, like, when, when I got here, everything. When I when I arrived at Dolores and Drew's house, I came in. It's cold outside, and Dolores said, "Oh, let me take your coat. I'll put it on the bed." And she said, "Oh, that's such an Italian American thing." <laughs> yeah. And I think about the holidays because so cool. the kids would yeah. go sleep under the coats, a pile of coats, yeah. and it was on the yeah. bed mm-hmm. downstairs. Mm-hmm. And like, you could you could sleep at your nonna's house. And know that everybody was going to be there because they didn't have to rush home. Exactly. And now, you know, and everybody out there that's ever heard me talk about Christmas Eve knows I am, as we mentioned in the last episode, like a Gestapo for Christmas Eve traditions. Probably even to the point of being a little bit too tense about it. Um, I'm the same way. My family would tell you. But, same. you know, I do that because we don't all live in the same town anymore. And we don't all live on the same block. And you can't sleep in the coats because every who's got to leave at what yep. time to beat exactly. traffic or this and that. And, you know, I experienced that when I was a teenager. My grandfather died and he was our patriarch. And he kept all the traditions from his mother. My grandmother cooked his kind of food. And he died when I was 16. And the next Christmas Eve, which was always my favorite day of the year, because everybody was there and because you felt safe. And yeah. And the next Christmas Eve, we had uh, no smelts or maybe no eel, but we had salmon. And as a teenager, I was like, what the hell is salmon doing? <laughs> I'm like, salmon? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I remember saying to my grandmother, like, okay, teach me all the recipes. I'm going to do this from now on. Because she was getting older. That's and great. so I took my cousins, took my brothers, and I start, forced them to come with me. I'm the oldest. And uh, we learned together how to do all these things, and we learned how to shop for it. But you're lucky that they still eat it. That's the problem. My well, let family, me tell you they something. don't eat it. Here's what I love about my family. And I've said this before. I think some of you have heard this. The first year I did it, I made an eel. And I started a new tradition, because you can make up your own traditions. And I let my youngest cousin pick out the eel, uh, and then we, we brought it home, and we cooked it. And my dad loved it, my aunt loved it, and my uncle loved it. And that was it. It was like, a, you know, my grandmother. And then the next year, a few more people tried it. And about four or five years ago, uh, my grandparents had been gone for 20 and 15, 20 years each. 
like four or five years ago, I was with my cousins and my littlest cousin, who's now an adult and successful Wall Street businessman who still picks the eel, said to me, I think we need to get two because we always run out of it. And so now we have two eel oh, wow, really? because everybody eats it. All these young people who were not even alive when my grandparents were around, now they eat it because it's their tradition. And hey, so my cousins perfect. that were not even born when I, my grandparents were there are eating the eel because we, we kept it there. Because yeah. we're hijacked by the person who says, oh, nobody eats that anymore. Yeah. Right. Or why, why bother going through all this? That's, That's why point. I'm the town for reformation the of Christmas They Eve. have to be banned. If you're that person, shut off. We don't want you here. You know what? To your point, Pat, it's not that easy even for all of us to get together tonight. I mean, we're all in different locations. Forget yeah. about it. It took a thousand text messages to make this happen. No, 1,500. A thousand very confusing ones. But the point being is, you're right. Like, we made it happen, and we want to put this out there so people can talk about it, listen, learn about it, or else it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Well, I'm talking about there's, there's that person. Was like, oh, why do we bother doing this? This is ridiculous. Right. Why are you going to make all these pies? You know, it only gets us fat. All this <laughs> nonsense. And, you know, they they owned the microphone for the last 30 years. Right. They were the ones that said, you know, why are you still living in that neighborhood? Um, you know, why do you go through all that on a Sunday? I want to thank all of you because you're responsible for the downfall. They were the ones, you know, someone stopped my mother one time and goes, oh, you, go, you do all that stuff? I'm, like, and it's always that condescending laugh because deep down they're embarrassed of it and they're kind of proud that they've been accepted into, this, in, into the non-ethnic society they want to belong to. There's a, there's a political underpinning to why they say what they say because it's judgmental. They don't say, oh, you make that that's nice, I choose not to. And I think that a lot of people in the Italian-American community felt intimidated by that mm-hmm. and they stopped doing things because they're like, oh, why are you getting that eel for? That's disgusting. That, those type of comments yeah, but that's unfair. really had an impact. I think that's a, I think that's a little bit of a step too far. I know that exists because I've the, been... Well, well, all right, hang I, on with the no. I want to see <laughs> <laughs> No, no, let me finish my point. I Look, I spent six years at the National Italian-American Foundation. Believe me, I know people come in all shades of pride and shame around their heritage. My point is, a lot of people just lose this stuff organically. It, it happens. That's a different... Hold yeah. on a minute. Don't put, don't put me into a corner with this. That is a different argument than a judgmental condescending comment that's made from a perspective of, I've kind of arrived because I don't smell of garlic and olive oil. No, and there's but members of this community... I disagree. I respectfully disagree. There, there are people that... Uh, I understand the idea of wanting to actually enjoy the holiday and not want to kill yourself cooking and cleaning or whatever. And people that cater food, you know, for Christmas Eve. Like La Belle Marketplace? Not necessarily from La Belle Marketplace, although La Belle Marketplace <laughs> offers a great <laughs> She's counting those no, nickels but, already. But you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there it's, it's, a it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a different choice today. And you today you have choices. What's the, you choose to like them, and I choose not to. I, listen, those people have been my enemy for a long time. They're not your but enemy. No, no, I, no. I own them. As a woman right? they've, been in the battle, they've been in the battle with me. Listen. Don't listen. Do you listen to me right now. As a woman 
women who spend holidays not pretty and not wearing mascara. You'd be pretty without, and you don't need mascara. And at one time, I admit, I think it was two years ago, it was before my second book started, like I even started writing it, and it was, I think I had spent 22 hours awake straight. Because I made crazy crap. I made like, you know, broccoli ramen sausage arancini and I made all the cookie trays for everybody, for my family, for Nick's family, and it still was not enough time. Yeah. Let me tell sure, you. Hold on a minute. Again, it was still again, not enough one, time. Another one who's 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 at, at the end of a bayonet sticking me in a corner. Hold on a minute. I didn't I'm not say, trying to kill wait a minute. Where did I, I say, Madden, and Patrick Madden. is a bitch, <laughs> and I'm going to kill him? I need to articulate and clarify my statement. Your statement is saying that in the modern, busy world, that time constraints have made this difficult and frustrating to the point where you feel sometimes I can't do it or I have no holiday because I did it. That is a separate argument. I am talking about the person who's ha ha he he, why bother with that stuff anymore? It's a different. It's a different comment. Yeah, but my question is not, what. My, my question is what has been the more predominant reason for like do people? Do the majority of people that have not kept these traditions are they running away from it out of shame or are they just losing them organically? No, I, I think that I think a, they're losing them organically. Yeah, I, think, I, I agree with that, but I'm not. What I'm saying is that in the discourse there are there are those people who 30 years ago led the charge by saying. You know, oh, you know, Pop is dead. Why are you going to be bothered getting getting X, Y, and Z? You're doing all this. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that that's a part of it. And they herald and they heralded the beginning of the fall. I think that's fair. I, I, I you think, were a toddler, Rosella. You wouldn't remember that. I think, like, you were in the you know, carriage, little baby Rosella. I can see where these things evolve and change. Some of it's natural. Like, look, it's I had this conversation with my dad the other day. They didn't cook these recipes because they were tradition and they were holding something. They cooked them because that was the taste and what they liked. And people's tastes have changed. And, you know, I don't know. You know me. I'm a purist. I keep things like I don't really particularly love smelts, but I make them. For me, it's a signature part of Christmas, so I keep making it. But I, I think there's a lot of people who just have let their tastes evolve and they want other stuff. You don't have to do it. Do, do. I, I'm just trying to say is they were very proud that they had gotten out of that. Right. And frying smelts and frying agave donut on Christmas Eve only harken back to a basement immigrant right. poor existence that they, they did look, not want to celebrate. They were looking down on it. Sure, 100%. Yeah. I'm cleaning up, but I'm in 100% agreement with you. Say that. Hold on. Make sure you hear us. Yeah, come back and um, start like you were sitting here the whole time. So I can't say I'm cleaning up? You can if you want. That's insane. Um, I'm a good housewife. <laughs> no, go and say I was cleaning up and now I came back because I was so good. And before I make coffee, I'm going to say this. I don't know <laughs> we get it. We get it. I know you think he totally you totally say it. He's right. He I has, can read. That's exactly when, what when I was you doing. Drew, when you are, <laughs> when she has you, because I understand her brain. When she's playing games, you call me. I'll tell you the whole. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the answer to the riddle in two minutes. Yeah. She has to say, "I've been cleaning because I'm a good wife." She goes, "You know, well, they're eating. I've been cleaning up the whole time." But let me just check in and say this. That's really the preamble. It's all gonna be on the episode. Oh, what do I care? Check out some other fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Okay, so what I was gonna say is, I actually 100% agree with Pat, and I'll tell you why. For the same reason I said I was talking earlier about my siblings, like you know, I love them, and they're very proud Italian Americans. We're different generations, but a lot of the things that have changed 
in my family is because they didn't want to identify with that anymore. Mm. So the, the fact that we're not eating the things we used to eat on Christmas Eve, you know, the fact that we're not uh, waiting until after midnight to open gifts anymore. I mean, those are, those are, that's just one day a year. But, you know, the story I can tell you is we used to have dinner on Sundays, every Sunday. And I personally wouldn't really mind spending Sunday at my mother's house eating dinner with my family all day long. That sounds actually kind of relaxing because it means I don't have to worry about cooking and also, it spares me from doing the millions of other chores that you fill your Sunday with. That's why we're on this lifeboat called the podcast. Yeah, that's why we're all friends. No, really. We all get it. Because I think no, we're like most of us would, would, would relish the opportunity to spend a Sunday with family doing those traditional things and having a meal and having right. a slow... And, like, and slowing you know, down and making yeah. that space for that. But, you know, he's right. There's a generation that was like, like, in their minds... They wanted to like, whitewash themselves. Yeah, in their minds, like, oh, wait a minute. To do that on a Sunday, hang out with my family and eat? Like, I have other things to do. Right. I'm well, evolved this, from that. This, this all comes back to the same conversation around traditions evolving or, or devolving because it's about Sunday as a day. You know, the idea that people don't gather in the same numbers to go to church, that stores that used to be closed are not closed anymore, that businesses are open for regular hours. We we don't have in this modern schedule any time that is fundamentally set aside for rest and family. That's really what this whole thing is about. We don't prioritize those things the same as many people don't prioritize them on holidays anymore. So we, we are seeing a complete devolution away from what I think we here at the table can all agree was for us and is for many of us still a priority, which is time, family, and tradition. And it just doesn't hold the same place as it used to hold. It doesn't. And so, like, I get not wanting to maybe have an obligation every Sunday, right? To you got to get in the car, you got to drive over to your mom's, fine, whatever. Even if you want to say that, that makes sense. But what happens is you just fill it with other stuff. You give Drew and I, as exhausted as we are, a free weekend... And you know what we do? Stuff. Yeah. We just yeah, do Everybody stuff. does stuff. We get so But much, that's why we Christmas... We do so much. Monday comes, we come home from work, and we're so tired. Because we didn't rest. That, that's a good... We relax. That's a good place to, to bring this conversation about Christmas. The, the idea we've talked about, tradition, what fish we make, how many numbers, this, that, and the other thing. Why do we do it? The truth is, for me, I keep the traditions because a little bit of it is... I feel like if I put the effort in and people see me doing it, they're going to value that time more. And they're going to make more of an effort to be there. And they're going to make more of an effort to participate or try the food that they didn't necessarily think they would like. To me, the effort is put in so that you can bring people back to value that time. I think that's what this is really all well, about. We're probably the last Victorians. You know, there was a, the BBC did a documentary in the 1960s. Yeah. And they went and filmed the last Victorians. Yeah. People who were Oh really? Yeah, yes. they were like, like legit? Yeah, they were people who grew up and they were contemporaries of Queen Victoria. They were the people who grew up before nineteen hundred who came of age and they were old, very old people. And one woman was talking about, you know, when the bicycle was invented. Oh wow. And she was a woman riding around on a bicycle and she was arrested by the police because it was considered unseemly for a woman to ride a bicycle. Can and you reason, watch this? Like, yeah, can it's, I on, watch it's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's on YouTube. The reason I bring it up is that we probably just are 
lamenting the fact that the world has moved past us. Yes, Unlike that's the Shakers, that's we true. are living in a we're like a dying empire. If you're with we're us like out the there, last, the last Zara. Yes, if you're the last Paisani, <laughs> join us on this adventure. You are you're on the ark with us. Yeah. You're listening to the podcast. You're there saying you are on the ark. And we're on the ark, yeah. and the world, the the emancipated new world, has left us behind. So as we toast the last. The last Paisani of the Empire. Everybody like knows that. Pat's my best buddy, and when I became friends with him, I recall uh, in one of our first conversations, I remember from my first anthropology class watching a video of these two old guys somewhere in the middle of Massachusetts who were like the last two guys who spoke Brahmin, which was the indigenous community in Massachusetts <laughs> that still spoke with a British accent. And then these old, like, crusty guys being filmed in the 80s, like, oh, yes, it's a wonderful... <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, that's going to be me and him. But yeah, we're going to be... <laughs> 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 the last two crusty guys Patrick, talking have... like we're on a stoop, you know? Will you have the spoonie <laughs> child, Patrick? <laughs> but, like, that could be us. Natural Jew girls are coming film us. <laughs> so what is this passion with all these fellows? <laughs> yes. The spoonie child. That's quite lovely. The truth, the truth is... <laughs> That's what we're here to fight against, I guess. It's a losing battle. Maybe. Let's Maybe it, it is. Well, yeah. We got a lot of people on our side at least. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Listen, we want to buy land in Pennsylvania and build a compound. <laughs> That's right. If you know an abandoned Pennsylvania coal mining town, next Christmas away. at the compound. That's what we're doing. Everyone in the new neighborhood gets to come. We're yes. going to bring. Uh, you know, I guess you're probably. That makes me sad, what you just said. That we're like uh, dying acts. That makes me sad because there's a lot of value to what you know we talk about and what we grew up with. But it is a dying act because I I, I know that once my grandmother passes, how can things be exactly the same? They won't be after that. But it doesn't mean they have to be worse. Right. We're not talking about a time capsule. Right. I mean, but we're, we're not Amish. We're talking about okay. No, we're, gonna stop but we're talking about that. There will just be certain things that different. we won't do yeah. the same well, way. You can't. But the idea is still alive. We talked about this the first time you and Anthony ever invited me to be on the show. You came to my office in D.C. and we talked about the idea of. Okay. Trying to preserve versus trying to evolve forward, and like keeping why we do things and the and the the heart of them as they change. And I get it in my own way. I'm the Nona. I cook for my family on Christmas and Easter. And you're right. Like I don't foresee a future where you know we're making wine in the basement again. We did it until my grandfather died, or a future I, where you know, I might disagree with you on that. I might be more positive, and it comes from the Catholic world because there's a resurgence. With traditional Catholicism, the old mass, you know, traditional religious orders, and if you go to the traditional Latin mass, it's packed with young people and crying babies. So I think that there's a millennial longing for the traditional things that kind of pin them to the greater face of Western society. And that's why we're here. We might, in our old age, we might be kind of the thought leaders. That's why we're here. It's why Anthony and I have been able to do this show for so many years and why it keeps growing is because there's a... People are out there. There is a significant portion of the nation and even the world. We have international listeners who understand and feel the way that we do, which is, as you know, we're very modern... I would say both of Anthony and I, all of us here at this table, but there's something about the way that we were raised and the values we were, we were raised with that are important to us. And they might not be important to the larger society we currently live in, but we know what did they get? that what they did are. What did they get? 
Well, but I don't know. Like, when they, the trade off. What was their dividend for? Okay, we're not going to do Christmas Eve. So what do they do? They go to the movies? I mean, I don't know. That's my open question. I don't know that they get much in return. Is my answer? To I don't know. You and I are in the same boat, so it's like a skewed argument. Yeah, I, I, I think I think culture is lost more with sort of a, a lapse of memory than a conscious decision to leave. There are clearly people that have to decide to right, leave their right, culture, right. but I think more often than not, culture is sort of um, an amnesia. Of time and circumstance and atrophy more so than... And that's why we have these shows. I mean, that's... You know, we we talk a lot about trying to do something here. And I know these shows are disjointed and rambling and wacky. I like them, too. I mean, I like them, too. And you keep telling me people listen. I still don't know. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be an episode without Pat denying that people listen to the show. So that's... But my point is, that's what this is all about. I could have talked about so many more things regarding the subject. About the loss of culture or Christmas? Mostly the loss of culture. Okay, well, that's it. We'll go back. As it regards to holidays. Because I think holidays are the very, they're the spotlight on the loss of culture and the loss of tradition. You're totally right. Which is, I think, why I really don't like the holidays. I like leading up to the holidays. I like, like, look at my house. I really disappointed. And it never fails. And you know I try what? every year to yes. like gird myself. I and totally be like, agree with that. Yeah, but Dolores, really? let me make a point. Yeah. I agree with you 100. percent It always, it's always fails. But that's why Who's Christmas Vacation is the smartest Christmas movie in the history of the that's planet. That's a good point. Yeah. it always is going to go bad. It always goes You're bad right. because right. nothing's going to live up to what you expect. You're absolutely right. And you look back on these sepia-toned really holidays. Mm-hmm. I, I, I watched that movie as a kid, and I'm like. Well, that's my dad and mom, and those are my grandparents, because that was our holidays. And I always still memorialize them. I think I, I get ready for Christmas, and I do it. And it's always a bit of a disaster. And you know what? Really Even is- the year that my ex-babysitter, Anna, and her daughter, Joanne, bought me the Barbie Dreamboat with the blender on the nice. deck. Why is there a blender on the deck of the boat? That's very sexist. But it was <laughs> it was a blend it was a plastic blender and you couldn't actually blend anything with it. So Rose tried. I did try. Yet another I, Christmas she disappointment. She tried to make pesto sauce. Sends a Yeah, that with that blender. That's deep. See? That's deep. And my parents were just like... Taken. That's, right, that is why that movie is... is You're right. And the bottom line is, I just feel like... It's like my birthday, too. Like, I don't... I just want it to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... Like, I oh. too much. Just like, well, I'm vain, so I hate my birthday. I hate getting what, old. The but, well, that, too. My all birthday's on the 4th yeah. of friggin' July. That's tough. But I it's like the, the lead-up. Like, you, like, you see, it's like, you see, like I'm, my house is decorated yeah. for Christmas. I love to watch Christmas movies. Well, you know what it is? I it's want like, you guys here before Christmas, but the actual days... Well, how about like when you go to church on, you know, really you could. go to church regularly, there's yeah. plenty of seats. Right. And you go to yeah. church on Christmas yeah. Eve and we can't ever get a seat. No, you're yeah. So I always get like pissed off. Yeah, because you're there. The, and so you're like, the last year the priest goes, listen, I know a lot of you are in the back in order of seats. I tell you what, you come back next Sunday, I'll give you front row seats. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I mean, but it's true. Christmas, yeah. Christmas for me is like the baseball season. Like, you know, winter comes... And I'm cold, and I want the spring. And then February comes spring training, and it's like the most exciting couple of days in the world. And you can see baseball again. And the season starts, and you're all pumped. And by the time you get to the dog days of August, you're kind of not watching that much baseball anymore. Right. And then mm-hmm. the World Series is there, and you know, nine out of ten times your team's not in it. 
especially if you're a Mets fan. Um, uh, but I live with one. you know, you 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 end the year kind of on a letdown for 29 out of the of the teams, but it all starts anew again in the spring. You get excited again, and 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 that's Christmas. It's hype. It, it's you know, it, it's 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 the eternal chance for something great that relates to your memory. And I think Christmas is the same thing for all of us because I know we all have fundamentally phenomenal memories. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here eating this food and talking about this. Well, I think that that's why, like, when you have, you know, when you have kids, you get back to those memories. Yeah. Like, you know, for us, we get the presents ready that night and you get to, you know, because, like, the memories are all coming from when we're kids. Yeah. So then, you know, when you don't, then you get married and you don't have have kids yet, it starts to get like that, and now we have them, and so I feel like you get a little bit re-energized with them, you know, because now they're like, can't wait to get the gifts, and so it's kind of helpful to take away some of the holiday stress. Yeah, because you can see it through their eyes. You can kind of, yeah. yeah, you can kind of see it through there. Like you're excited for them to get to that, but you know, for, our but, holidays are still fun because they get stress. They get stressful. I think you're right. I think that that's a big deal having that, and that's it's, that's it's energy. I, I'm sure our parents. Yeah. And their parents all felt the exact same yeah. way. Like, yeah. keep it together for these kids because right. yeah, that's I, what it I, is. I think we're also living in a period of a uh, Disney-fied or It's a Wonderful Life Christmas. Yeah. I think 100 years ago, it was a day off from work. Yeah. And you got a little bit extra to eat and maybe a little bit extra to drink. And they went right back down trying to survive. So I yeah. think that this, this, this um, Charles Dickens... Christmas Carol world of, of you know, uh, mistletoe mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, plum pudding type worldview is, is a very modern construct that especially happened after the, the war. It's like we talked about on the first episode of the Power Hour, where weddings used to be, you had a football wedding and got cookies, and now you see it on TV and you got to go on a, a, a bachelorette party to Spain and an engagement party to this place, and, every, and you're just never good enough. It's never big enough. Don't it's Sebastian never. Mine. Yeah, don't Sebastian mine. That's it. That's the world we live in. The world of retail. Well, I want to bring the world of pop culture and retail into my last question for everybody because I want a piece of cake. Are we done? We're gonna have a piece of cake I'll in five minutes. You can get us out in five minutes. I want a yes or no answer. One of the things that I love and it will have started both of these episodes is Lou Monty's Dominic the Donkey. And it is a huge, oh, third-rail, controversial problem for a lot of people. Guess where I stand. I love it. Well, Dolores obviously hates it. <laughs> you, hate it? you hate it? No, I don't hate it as much as I hate other things. I'm just like, huh? Okay, right. I always felt that way. Like, what is this song? Like, I don't even understand. All right, fair enough. Like, the Italian Christmas Donkey. Do I what? hate Dominic the Donkey? How do you feel about no, it? No, no, how do you feel about um, it? Do like, I don't love it as much as I love George Michael's Last Christmas. I hate that song. <laughs> oh, my God. You hate everything. He's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. I really do. <laughs> what <laughs> do you not? Know? She's right. What Italian-American <laughs> <laughs> Let's Nothing is good enough for Dolores. George Michael, George Michael's not Italian-American. <laughs> the things Dolores hates. It's like a not a plus also, or minus Also, who for wrote you. Dominic the Donkey? I'd love to know. Um, Whatever. Lou Monty sung it. I got, okay. I'm trying to think of who wrote it. Dominic the Donkey. No, I don't hate that song. I think it's I think it's adorable. Anthony? Dolores is scary. Dolores is scaring me. <laughs> oh. 
I didn't say I hated it. I just said I never understood it. It yeah. never resonated with me. I was it's just always confused by it. It's a non-plus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like a it's, fun jingle. It's a fun jingle. What is there to like dissect with it? I just it was like. Dominic the donkey. What is the donkey? Why is he named Dominic? Jill, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Why not he, a fan. All right, Jill, thank you. Why is he, Any reason? Why is he, and why is he Italian? Nick? Because Lou Monty is an Italian. Yeah, yeah I want to hear what Nick's saying. Um, I think Nick's with me. Yeah, it bothers me. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with it. And outside the Italian-American culture, it just brings that stigma. Same. Nick and I are the same thing I can tell. to do with an Italian Christmas. Pashkar, I have to defend it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Please no, do. No, no, no. Pat and I, Pat and I the last two Brahmins. What does it have to do with what we do? Because Lou Monty, because yeah. you don't understand the, the value. Here's what I, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're going to say. Lou Monty was of the first massive generation of American-born uh, Italian Americans. They were the first generation. Their parents were born in Italy. Came over during the Great Migration. His listenerships happened. Were born maybe. They were the greatest generation. We a little bit before and a little bit after. Um, and I think that his songs were um, tools of enculturation to make Italian American kids with real double identities. Yep. Um, be able to feel that they could fit in with the American Christmas. And it was a, it was a, it was a, a thing a thing also of pride. And he's from Lindhurst. Michelle. So Monty should be <laughs> so he's a Jersey boy. How, how but the New York people, they all stick together. You all like circle the wagons. But I'm the only person representing Jersey. How does how does chickity chick, he honk, he honk, it's Dominic the donkey. Relate. It's like a so big, what you just said. It's is, like no, I, 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 I agree in terms with that. Of giving no, no. Italian Americans a place and a pride in Oh American absolutely. Society. Because it's taking it's taking a hybridized um Pigeon version of our culture for a generation of kids. But what is that? But I, this, I, I disagree with your premise. You didn't let me finish my premise. But, but I don't. But I know you. What is? <laughs> what in that is our culture? It's a. It's a. Like what in that song is our culture? I well, guess is what I'm a saying. Tiny, but hold on a minute. It's you know what not, I'm saying? No. I know what it's you're not saying. Like the Bafana. The Italian Christmas Bafana. I don't know. Something well, like I mean, that. Like, or the Italian yeah, Christmas. Yeah, well, hold on. This is my. Yeah, this wow. is the guy like, Did we, you guys we, grow up we, with the donkey? But we have separated. We're not Italy. Southern, Southern, well, first of all, Southern Italy has, is, is ripe with donkeys. I mean, you're talking. It's, it's a huge. It was. Yeah, it was. Right? You never called Juge? I mean, yeah, Juge. It's a. It's Me, a, no. You know it's the net mascot <laughs> of the Neapolitan soccer team. It's a it's a real presence okay. there, right? Calabria, the, I'll give uh, you that. Sicily donkey cart. So donkeys are are absolutely part of the culture of Southern Italy. Mm-hmm. So that let's establish that. Okay. Secondly, his songs are made to Only be on this show, you nonsensical. Just, they're nonsensical, fun what popcorn did- songs, but they take a version of because culture is whatever it is. So they take a version of Italian American culture and they put it right in the face of the mainstream America. It's an announcement that doesn't have to make any sense. Doesn't have to be. There's no such thing as authenticating a stamp on it. It is what it is. Enough people got it that it's still here, uh, 50, 60 years later. It meant enough to. It meant something to enough people. And it's 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 like to me it's like a big flag in the ground that says like we're part of this. We got we we have a part of this. And and I. I think it's a catchy song. I love Lumanti, and uh, I think it's just a great snapshot into a point in Italian American history where we were right at the cusp of being able to enjoy the best of both cultures, and that's why I like it. You go, Juwan. Eh, I'm with Nikki. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
I've been married to one for a year, and I can tell you, you're never going to convince an Italian or American woman <laughs> to take your side when she starts on the opposite side. So with that, that's my Christmas gift to all of you out there, you single Italian-American men. If you marry one of our own, don't think you're going to win an argument. <laughs> can I say something before we sign off? Yeah. Just because Rose, like, what do you like? Well, I'll tell you what I like. Frank Capra. You want to talk about Christmas and Italian-Americans? It's a Wonderful Life. I've never watched it. Well, you're out of your mind. How have you not watched It's a Wonderful Life? I guess Dominic the Donkey fans just don't get it. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's a Wonderful Life, but to me, It's a Wonderful Life doesn't have anything to do with the real Italian American. It has. Here, here's where I disagree with you guys on everything. <laughs> it has everything, and I, I will tell you why. Dolores is leaving the show because <laughs> the director was an immigrant from Sicily, and his world, his view of the world and immigrants for that matter was shaped by that and so you see it in his films and It's a Wonderful Life is like the epitome of an immigrant kid viewing America in its glory and like life in its trial and tribulations You in him I see my family in that movie in its own way so like no is it all Italians like Moonstruck no, but I see. Struck, I right? do not. Right, so I see more of the. I see more of the Italian Fatso. immigrant in. <laughs> they love it because they know I don't like any of those movies. In it's a wonderful life, written and directed. I think written, but I know for sure directed by an Italian American than I do in Moonstruck or Fatso. Or Dominic the Donkey. I love Fatso. And maybe that's the fundamental difference Dominic between Donkey. our disagreements on these topics. You know, like I think I don't. I don't. I think all of Frank Capra's work, *Arsenic and Old Lace*, um, *It's a Wonderful Life*, *It Happened One Night*. I think those are all very Americanized versions of modern Italian American themes. I don't really think that they're uh, true to form Italian immigrant. Theories that that run through them. I I, I think. But Dominic the donkey is. Not that Dominic the donkey is. That's always what is. Like I don't. I don't. Moonstruck absolutely is. Don't you be touching no moonstruck <laughs> on this episode. This, right? this we moonstruck. will do a separate moonstruck episode, and I will debate this, and I will be prepared. The, moon, right? the moonstruck the debate episode is going to be phenomenal. I just want to say that. I love moonstruck. I'm not. No, 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 no. Moonstruck in the Christmas Eve episode, Patrick. Don't you ask me. But we're way off the Christmas topic. (laughs) Okay, let's just all say, I think we can all disagree on the aspects of song or the movies or what we like or what we do or how many fish. But the bottom line is we're all rowing in the same direction when it comes to seeing the value of the culture, the traditions, and the family. And so as we send off this episode right before Christmas Eve... To everybody out there who's listening. Not to sweat you my face. Not to sweat you my face. That should be that'll be the Christmas card you get from our team. Not to sweat you my face. I think it's good uh, if we leave everybody. Dolores, why don't you give our wishes to everybody? Why don't you sing? Come. You should I'm not sing. Sing a cappella. <laughs> no, I'm not singing. Right, I'll, I'll do it for the sake I'll, of time. I'll the glass, like, All right, we're gonna. We'll. We'll leave. We'll leave everybody off. Mariah Carey. Yes, Mariah Carey. <laughs> All I want.
want for Christmas is you. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Bonus off. <laughs> It's Dominic the donkey, jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey, la 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 Santa's got a little friend, his name is Dominic, the cutest little donkey, you'll never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy Hey, jingity-jing It's Dominic the donkey Jingity-jing The Italian Christmas donkey La, la, la La, 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 la La, 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 la Jingle bells around his feet and presents on the sled. Hey, look at the Mayor's Derby on top of Dominic's head. A pair of shoes for Louie and a dress for Josephine. The label on the inside says they're made in Brooklyn. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 la. Sing and clap their hands and Dominic starts to dance They talk Italian to him and he even understands Kumbaras and Kumbaras do they dance a darandel When Santa Nicola comes to town and brings Ujucharilla Hey, jingity-jing It's Dominic the donkey Jingity-jing The Italian Christmas donkey La, 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 la